0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stemmen Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful episode. If you've read the title, you already know what we're going to be talking about today, so it is no secret. Uh, we are going to kind of talk about some of the reflections from the uh, Asbury um, revival, um, the good, the um, and some of the kind of criticisms from it. And I really, and we're really going to kind of unpack all of it. Uh so again, helping me to unpack all this stuff is uh my co-host Micah Current. Micah, how are you?
1: I'm good. Um unpacking. I don't I don't know if I'm the right person to do this, but <laughs> I guess here we are <laughs> and here we go. Um are, know, it's, it's uh it's definitely a topic to talk about these days.
0: It is. And it's and and I think that's the thing. Like everybody's talking about it from the people who were there when it first kind of happened to those who are kind of doing a pilgrimage to Asbury. I mean, I know we had a, um, we were going to have an interview and then that got canceled because the person we're interviewing is actually an alumni of Asbury. So he's heading down there to, to have a time of worship there. So it's like, okay, you know, that's fine. Uh, But yeah, it's, uh, I feel like ever since this thing has uh, started, there has been um a lot of comments hmm. people who are there people who are just kind of observing from the sidelines those who are kind of driving in and giving reports and then they're driving and then people criticize them so then they drive back again they say okay well let me make sure i didn't get this wrong and then they're going back and then they come back and said you know my opinion hasn't changed <laughs> it's this is what it is and i'm not going to make a third trip down there just to see the same stuff that I believe is basically about their opinion. And I know probably for those of you who are listening, you probably have an opinion about everything's going down. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's indifferent. And maybe you're just like, eh, I don't I think this is fake news, you know, or whatever term you want to use. So, um, but before we begin, uh, yeah, story's gone wild, Micah. You got one?
1: I do, and it's it's kind of uh funny and it's kind of humorous, but at the same time, um I was trying to think about one this week as we uh prepare for this episode, and um I kept not wanting to share it, but then I ended up uh deciding that I was going to share it. But like uh, part of my faith journey is that, uh, the, we've had Jordan on this, this show before mm-hmm. with, when we did the preacher's kid episode, but part of my, uh, my faith journey is that when I, I found Jesus and I got led to Jesus, it was because Jordan's dad led me to the Lord at camp, uh, camp Marengo, um, when I was you know 12 or 13 years old. And, uh, I remember Jordan just being a little kid, you know, that because he's, he's younger than we are. And, um the other day, uh, my wife and I went and saw the new Marvel movie, ant man and the lost quantum mania. And so we had an early viewing of it at like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. And then, uh, we were on our way home and Jordan was just like, what'd you think? What'd you think? Let me know. Let me know. And like, so he ended up FaceTiming me and Jordan's going to kill me for sharing the story, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> but, but he was, he FaceTimed me and I'm driving. So I can't like really pay attention to what he's saying. However, uh, he has a three-year-old who is is as I don't remember what like the term that Jordan used. He's just a lot, right? He's a three-nager. He he's a toddler. He just gets into everything. He's just excited about life, and he's just into. He's all over the place all the time. You know, Scott, you have kids. You know about yeah, that. Absolutely. Um. So Ollie was just going nuts every time I go. I get on the phone with Jordan. Ollie just goes nuts just because you know Jordan's not paying attention to him, or he's just not the center of his universe. And so anyway. Keep in mind, I'm not paying attention to what Jordan is saying necessarily. And I'm not focusing on him because I'm driving and he's FaceTiming me. And my phone's kind of like wedged. We have a a holder in my car. And uh, he's like, I start laughing and Jordan's like, what? And I'm like, you know what I hear, right? And he was like, no, I said, everything you're saying right now sounds like Jeremy Halstead. And it sounded just like his dad. It just, and he's like, you know, you, I'm like, you know, you sound just like your dad. And so I'm, I'm crying laughing as I drive down the road because I've, I've known Jeremy for years. And uh, obviously Jordan was a young kid. And so like I kind of it was one of those weird moments where you see Jeremy talking to his kid and then Jordan talking to his kid. And like, you're like, oh, my gosh, is that Jeremy or is that Jordan? And so. I was like, you know, you sound just like your dad, don't you? And he's like, and he wasn't mad. He laughed too. It was just, it was funny because, you know, it was kind of came full circle for me. And it was funny because I, you know, was led to the word by his dad and there's Mm -hmm. kind of that connection there. And so do you, do you do that when you like, you, you know, you have conversations with your kids or do you hear yourself like, I like when we get older, we hear those, we hear our parents and ourselves.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. Like anytime when it comes to like talking to your kids or even just like disciplining your kids, even even um and I tell this with parents when I do like counseling or even when I'm doing like a parents group at church and we're talking about parenting, even depending on how you're raised. And even if you were raised kind of like, oh, you know, I didn't like the way my parents kind of did this as far as a disciplinary measure, so I'm just not going to do it and I'm just going to do something else. And I think a lot of times when you get frustrated, when you're trying to get your kid back to doing what you kind of want them to do, which is, you know, not doing something that's going to cause harm or to be patient while mom or dad finished doing whatever they need to do. Um, a lot of times when you get to a point, you get to a point of frustration that all the stuff that you want to try to do as a parent goes out the window and you rely back on, well, what did I experience as a kid? Mm-hmm. So even the parents who are like, you know, I was spanked as a child and I don't like that. And I think it's wrong. And there's all this research that says that it's bad for your kid, So I'm not going to do it. And then you hit a certain threshold where all of a sudden the first thing that pops into your mind to get your kid to stop doing what they're doing is to pat their bottom. And then as a parent, you do that kid cries, they stop what they're doing. They cry, they go to your room, whatever. And then as a parent, you just feel awful afterwards because it's like, well, I said I was not going to do that. And yet here I am doing it. And why did I do it? Well, because, you know, a lot of times conditions and experiences and when you're growing up and you're around certain people, you just kind of know their pattern of speech, their mannerisms, everything, and it just gets modeled to you. Mm-hmm. And once that's modeled to you, sometimes even though your best interest is to do something the complete opposite, uh, you know, you eventually end up falling back on that because it's what's familiar.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think it like a, a not so like a disciplinary thing, but like something I see myself. Uh, when we were kids, my dad would always get mad when the trash can was like overflowing in the kitchen mm-hmm. and he wanted us to take the trash out. He would always say, why is this trash can puking? Like he would yell at us. He's like, there's no reason that this, you know, there's four of you kids. Why can't you take the trash out? And so, um, you know, or, you know, later on in my life, I'm an adult and I'm in my own house. I'm paying my own bills and do all those things. I'm like, why is this trash puking? Like, <laughs> I just thought, you know, you have those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I just sounded like my dad or I just sounded like my mom or I just sounded like whoever. And um, yeah, I just thought it was funny because he, he wasn't like disciplined and all or anything. It was just funny because the way he was he was like, oh, I just stop, Like, let me talk to, to Micah. Like, let me have a conversation real quick. And like, he just wasn't listening. And so Jordan, I was like, Jordan, you sound just like your dad. <laughs> it was great. But you know, Jordan, I mean, you know, Jeremy and Jordan and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just I don't know if you've seen that before. Like when you've talked to Jordan, like, like sometimes,
0: sometimes like there's, there's certain, like there's certain like moments where he'll say certain phrases or how he'll tie sentences together. Or like, mm. even after I say something and he says something, it, depending on what I said, he'll say something. And it's like, you know, that's definitely how Jeremy would, say would or do. start off that sentence. Like it's, it's, it's just, and it's, and, you know, I think it's just, you know, it's subconscious at some point it's just kind of, you don't realize you're doing it. And it's like, Oh yeah, I do kind of say that. Or I do kind of start off my sentences. Or if someone asks me a question, I will start off my answering that question like this. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what my, uh, my parents do. Um, so my weird story, <laughs> um, yeah. So my weird story had to do with, uh, my dad came down to visit me. Um, and it's nice. Cause he comes down. It's very nice. And we, um, know it's good he gets to see the kids and and especially it's a lot nicer now because sometimes it was just very hard to see family when we live six hours away Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times our summer vacation was usually just we're going to go have a week of summer vacation and then we're going to have a week just visiting family because we don't often get to see them um so my dad came down and you know he brought some stuff down that I needed and it was like okay cool and then um he helped me get a um, antique uh, bookcase that we we purchased. So we get there, and we load it up. And it's very windy that day. And originally, my dad wanted to because he has like a smaller truck bed, so he decided, well, let's just do it standing up, like putting the thing up. So he ratchets the side, and this is like almost like a this is like almost a five foot six foot tall bookcase standing up and he ratchets it around the side. And then he tries to ratchet something over And as he's ratcheting it, I just start to see the bookcase start moving down. Like it's about to tip over. I'm like, dad, this isn't going to work. It's starting to, you're you're pulling it down by while you're ratcheting. It goes, Oh, okay. So then we had to take it out, lay it on its side. The the antique owner is like freaking out thinking we're going to break this thing. (laughs) So we finally go and we get everything in. We, go ahead and we start driving back. We get home. We unload it from the truck. It's sitting in our driveway. My dad notices that on one of the doors, the hinges are great, but the screws that go into the actual wood is are loose and they're starting to come out. So it's like, okay, well, we need to we need to uh, fix this. And my dad knew how to fix stuff like that. He goes, oh, it's a very easy fix. Here's what we'll do. I'm like, okay. So I go get a screwdriver and I go get some toothpicks and some super it's wood glue and i go give him the things i go back in to go talk to laura and then i come out to check see what he's doing and all of a sudden i see the door one of the doors on the ground and the glass is shattered and i look at my dad i'm like what the heck just happened he goes i was working on it and i walked i turned my back for a second and a big gust of wind came by and flew the door open and pulled it right off the hinges and it just went down. Now this isn't just like a flat glass. This is like a curved glass. So it's like, great. Who do I need to call <laughs> to get a specially ordered curved glass? And then how much is that going to cost me? <laughs> so needless to say, I was not happy, but the, the silver lining in all this is at church, I was talking to our financial manager and she's asked me about the bookcase. I told her what happened and she goes, you know, there's a company here that does a lot of stuff with antique glass. Um, And you can try to call them and maybe they might be able to help. So at least I was able to get at least a glass company that possibly specializes in what I need. So, so we're heading in the right direction. So I'm not, so it was, it was one of those things where it's like, Oh my gosh, we just spent so much time and so much money on getting this thing. And now it's just kind of, now I have one door on it with glass in it. And then the other doors off because I need to get it repaired. So it's just, it's just a sweet, wild story, and just how quickly something like the wind can pick up and then take something that you invested so much in and just ruin it in a second. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. But yeah. So that was my strange story. And again, you know, we talk about wind, and wind's usually a sign of the Holy Spirit. So let's just go ahead and move right into the Asbury revival now for those of you who are listening if you listen to our episode last week with uh, trey oldham uh during my story gone wild segment actually kind of mike and i both kind of were talking about the asbury revival and how we we say it was a strange story because of what's happening and we're like wow it's good it seems like what's happening there is kind of good but there are also some concerns that we have about it too um now that it has been a week since that episode has was recorded, um and only a few days since that episode dropped, there has been more information coming out from the Asbury revival. So we're just here to kind of unpack all that and kind of um talk about it. So uh so I guess the main question is when we say the word revival, what what do we actually mean? What do we actually mean when we say the word revival? Because I've had people say the Asbury revival. I have had some people say the Asbury awakening,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which I mean, and that's going back to the great awakening and the second great awakening. And if you're unfamiliar with uh, those two terms, I guess I'll do a quick snapshot real quick. So the first great awakening happened about the 1700s, I believe. So Hopefully Dr. Struggie's not listening to this because he will definitely get on me because he definitely has talked a lot about this. Uh, but you had the uh, Great Awakening and usually the person who's kind of the figurehead or the, there's a lot of preachers that around that time where the Holy Spirit was moving across America in tent meetings and everything was going well. And, the, and, and but Jonathan Edwards would probably be one of the um, main peep players in this event and from books I've read and things that I have learned, it seemed like that Jonathan Edwards would just stand up there and literally would read off a manuscript he wrote. He wasn't a very dynamic preacher. He just sat there, he wrote, and he would preach for three hours just staring at his paper. Like, that's all he did, which, you know, for us, if, if our pastor's not making eye contact with us, we get mad. Like How come our pastor's not looking at us when he preaches or she preaches? Um But Jonathan Edwards just had his head down, read off the paper for three hours, and people would start crying. And a lot of people got saved, and from what we were able to see from uh, church history is not only were people saved, but then people were empowered to go and share the gospel and communicate it, and it was fantastic. And then we have the Second Great Awakening, which uh, I have to see when this. I don't I'm not sure the date about the second great awakening early 19th century so so it was um almost about a almost 100 almost kind of 100 years after that um and some people say that there's a third and a fourth but really it's the second one that's kind of the big thing but the big thing same thing um a lot of you know holy spirit moving however one of the interesting things about the second great awakening is that they were able or at least the pastors at that time and this is from what i was taught so this could be taken with a grain of salt here that the second great awakening really focused on well if we present our message in this certain type of thing in a certain type of way if we're able to use voice inflection to hit certain points in the message and then especially with music if there's certain type of music based on tempo so what it was is they were able to create a formula so that when people were coming to these tent meetings and they're having these um, services and then they begin to have these feelings and these emotions that that was the Holy Spirit moving and changing their lives. And that was kind of the second great awakening. So the way it has always been communicated to me is the first great awakening. Really, it's just preaching and not even a great preacher, just someone who not even a dynamic preacher, but someone who's just reading off a piece of paper and the Holy Spirit moved And great things happen. We're the second great awakening. We now have a formula. We have a formaic outline that if we do these things, if we can do this, and this is what's going to cause the spirit to move because of how we have designed the service. Um, So one was kind of more of a spontaneous thing. One was more kind of a, well, here's kind of how we're going to design it. And if the spirit shows up, the spirit shows up. Hmm. And that's kind of how I've learned about the first and second great awakening. And then they have a third and fourth one, but those don't get talked about a lot. I think the third one's actually, I think the third one might be the Jesus movement, like in the seventies. And then I think we kind of see a big push, like kind of in the eighties uh, of some sort. So yeah. Where a rev- so that's an awakening. Which I guess if we take the term awakening and we kind of plug that into Asbury, I mean, you could make a case that it could be an awakening. Mm -hmm. Um, Revival, I mean, I've been to a couple revival services, but I think from kind of our conversation last week, revival is kind of a way of a recharge of the spirit, I guess. It's a recharge Mm -hmm. of a spirit to help lower some of our walls to kind of have a great connection with God and hopefully from the revival is we will begin to start bearing fruit from the revival after the revival comes to an end. Um, so Micah, what are, what are your thoughts on all that I've said about awakening and revival before you really start jumping into what's happening at Asbury?
1: So, so a couple things. One, I think people could be, it's, it's easy to see why people could get be confused by the two terms awakening and revival um because they're similar a lot uh, in nature they're you know very very close um and then two revival for me growing up in the church of god anderson movement we we would have revivals and i talked a little bit last week in our in our segment before we interviewed trey but like um the the earliest memories of revival for me and in the church of god were You know, we would have an evangelist come to the church my dad was speaking at, or or the dad or the church that my dad was preaching. He was the preaching pastor. He was the lead pastor, and um, you know, we would start you know Sunday morning, and then we would have Sunday night church, and then we'd have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and sometimes go on to the next week. Sometimes a shorter one would be Sunday to Wednesday, uh, but we'd have a series of services in a row where we would just have church. People would come to church. It'd be you know extended time of worship and. Uh, I guess the ironic thing in, in, in my experience within the Church of God or, or even some Baptist churches in the area where I've led worship here in the last couple of years, where they've had a quote-unquote revival, it's it's literally the same formula of service that you would get on a Sunday morning. It's, it's no different. There may be some special music. There may be a different worship leader, a different speaker, obviously with an evangelist. Um, but the idea of the service and the formula of the service is still the same. It's pretty much cut and dry from what you would get on a Sunday morning, back in the day when we were kids, Sunday night, Wednesday night, things like that. Um, the uh, the definition of revival, when you look it up, you know, Google states it as a church revival involves a group of Christians praying and seeking the Holy Spirit's presence together while rejoicing over a renewal of the spiritual exuberance. The purpose of a church revival is to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to transform both believers and non-believers alike. And so um, I just want to be very careful when we have this conversation, just because mm-hmm. I, I know that like, like you and I said, before we started recording, there are people that have been super critical of it. And then there are people, there have been people that have been super you know on board with it. There have been people that are over the top about it. And I, I'm not here to negate. I'm not here to, mm-hmm. um, you know, judge i'm not here to 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 have that conversation to to question whether or not the holy spirit is in things and for me uh i've had like you can you could ask my wife uh but i've had a whirlwind of emotions about this Mm -hmm. um when i when i first you know i think it was last saturday not Mm -hmm. two days ago but you know the week before i was scrolling through tiktok and i saw this and i was like wow that's amazing praise god you know the, mm-hmm. the chapel service broke out and uh, people wanted to just want to be in God's presence, which um, I was texting a good friend of mine and said to him, you know, he's a worship leader. And I, I, I said, you know, I watched your service online yesterday and, you know, really enjoyed what you, you guys did. And Holy Spirit was just evidently there in your service and in your midst. And he said, you know, God's doing something in this country like he's never done before. And I, you know, and I said to him, you know, that's been my prayer for 10 years, you know, as a, as, as a pastor and a leader of churches, um, that the church would get on its face. And, uh, the, um, the interview that we were going to have today, Pastor Terry Rowland, um, who you mentioned earlier, he's, Mm -hmm. he's on his way to Asbury right now just to, to check it out. And he's an alumni. He went to seminary there and, we're excited to have him on in a couple of weeks, but he, he preached yesterday and I just cried. I listened to his message twice because I just, he, he mm-hmm. talked about, um, he talked about it in a light and in a point of view that I didn't think about it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that he said was that it's amazing that the generation that's leading this charge, the 18 to 25 year olds, um, were the the folks that took the brunt of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And he said, these people didn't have a prom. They weren't able to do their sports. They weren't able to have a traditional graduation. They weren't able to do anything. And now they're seeking and they're searching and they're looking for answers. And how ironic is it? Is it that it's God that they're seeking and they're, 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 they're turning their faces towards, towards the Holy spirit and turning their faces towards the Lord and, and, and just wanting to see, uh, what there is and just sitting in his presence because guess what they set. For for two years, not doing anything because they couldn't do anything, and now they're they're looking for answers, and those answers are coming in the way of the Holy Spirit to kind of open up up their eyes and and, and a revelation, so to speak. And so, yeah. um, it's I, I just want to be super careful when we have this conversation, mm-hmm. but like it's, oh, yeah. it's it's I don't want to say this is a bad comment, but like I I told my wife when we went to dinner one night last week, I was like they're calling it a revival and they're treating it like it's something that has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, if you, if you want to define what a revival is great, if you want to define what awakening is great, but like one of the things in that definition, and this isn't like the, the, the you know, the word of the Lord, but it says the definition I just read to you was Christians praying and seeking the Holy spirit's presence together, while rejoicing over renewed spiritual exuberance. The purpose of a church revival is to allow the Holy Spirit to transform both believers and non-believers alike. Isn't that what we do every Sunday in a corporate worship setting? Or isn't that the goal that we have every Sunday in a corporate worship setting? I've led worship for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there have been Sundays where I'm like, man, this is like stirring concrete. I sure hope people come and pray. I sure hope people raise their hands and worship the God that loves and saves them. And there's hope and peace and grace in, in his name. But, you know, there's been Sundays where the Spirit of the Lord is just so sweet and the spirit of the word is so fruitful and people are coming to the altars and praying and people are just repenting for the sins and 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 uh reconciling marriages and relationships and people are just coming to worship to, to worship the father and it's just like a you know and there's been times where i've led worship and i'm like went completely off script because i just felt like the holy spirit was telling me to do mm-hmm. something different and the pastor didn't even preach his message and we just have a time of prayer and worship and it's just so sweet and fruitful how is that different than what's going on at asbury yeah yeah, and and it, that's where I've struggled. Yeah, it's like I, I don't like it, it's it shouldn't be something new. Like it's it's con- the same conversation that Scott, you and I have had for for almost two years now. Like, why are we having these same old conversations about churches and leadership and decisions that churches are making because they're not willing to move or change or do anything different? Where what's the difference between that and like okay, we've had revival, we've had you know Holy Spirit encounters for years. It's not something new. Like why is mm-hmm. is it because it's it's because it's trending on TikTok, is it because it's on social media? Is it because mm. people are flocking to it? Like uh, I've read several reports, like Carrie Job, uh, you know, yeah, she, Carrie Job
0: got there, she was there, she mm-hmm. went to it.
1: Um, they asked uh, Tucker Carlson's a Fox News anchor. He wanted to go and cover it in person. They told him not to come. Yeah, and then also like, I
0: just saw that people from Kenneth Copeland Ministries was trying to come, and they told Kenneth Copeland he can't come.
1: And <laughs> I'm not trying to. And I'm oh, not yeah. trying to. I'm not trying to, to when I say this, like I, and like, I keep saying and keep reiterating, reiter- reiterating, excuse me, that yeah. I want to be careful when we have this conversation, but like, I'm not trying to to squander the spirit. I'm not trying oh, yeah. to like trying to dictate or, or negate or any of those things that what's happening in that space. I believe that that is real. Um, you know, in, in a few minutes, we're going to have this con- part of that conversation, but like, what do you do after it? Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I was really like, I wanted to like, <laughs> you talk about, um, we talk a nerd talk about different things, but like if I could have been the flash yesterday, I would have been the flash, right? Cause I wanted to go to all the churches everywhere. And I wanted to see what they were doing to see if they changed what they were going to do to see if they were going to pivot, to see if they're going to try to have a quote unquote revival, but like, it, it's not really that different. You yeah. invite God's presence. Cause God's presence is what omnipresent. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I've, I've been talking for a bit. No.
0: Well you you so you bring up you you bring up a lot of great points and and so uh, let's just and and we'll probably hit on those points while we're having it. So let's talk about what what is the good thing you're we're seeing at Asbury. Well and I guess I'll just kind of sum it to three things. You know, first of all the fact that you said it's a younger generation that this has been that the spear has been pulling out on and we're just seeing that excitement. That impacts me very greatly because there's been times as a lead pastor where I have heard from church members, Well, young people aren't coming to church, they don't want to come to church. And it's not a oh man, you know, it's a shame that young people aren't coming to church and experiencing God. I wish there's something we can do to reach out to them. It's just more of this negative. Young people don't come to church, and and I don't know what we can do to get to church. It's like, well, maybe change your attitude about it. That'll help. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and so it's great to see that. It's great to see that here is something um that is been poured out on Gen Z that is very encouraging. Um, so that's probably the big thing that we're seeing the spirit pull out to a younger generation, a younger generation that again, took a big brunt of the pandemic, a younger generation that, um, you know, has kind of been the, kind of been the face of criticism from not only the church, but also because they don't go to church, but even just, I mean, I feel like anytime I turn on the news, regardless of what it is, it's always the younger generation. Well, they're always in their, their face. They're always in their phones. They're always playing video games. They're always doing all this stuff. So they're always, you know, and I guess you could say that they're the, some people would even say that Gen Z's kind of the disconnect generation, that they're connected to the digital world, but they're so disconnected to the physical world. Mm-hmm. And here we see that, not only, I mean, some people are recording stuff and putting it on TikTok or putting it on YouTube of what's happening. So we do see that. Hey, we're seeing the Holy Spirit not only breaking through the disconnect, but it's hitting you on a spiritual level, on a physical level, and now we're seeing it through a digital level too. Mm-hmm. So we're really seeing that the Spirit's moving through all those different levels and all those different platforms, which is fantastic. Well, so and you think.
1: You think uh, for us, like, are you considered millennial too?
0: I am considered either a zenial kind of that. I feel
1: like I'm. I feel like I have one foot in both kind of thing.
0: I'm, I feel like I'm there, but I know one of the things that they're trying to do because I know when they say millennial, you know, I don't necessarily identify with the late generation. So I'm considered an elder millennial if I'm going to believe the uh, whoever's making who's ever calling these generation by name i'm an elder millennial or some people say i'm a zenital, well which i'm kind of in between gen x and millennial
1: so i'm more of a millennial like i guess by the standard definition i you know my wife and her both millennials but the the struggle i guess for me for so long has been i feel like we tried right we tried this thing called church we tried this thing called uh, jesus we tried this thing called ministry and they're we're almost we're almost a forgotten generation, right? Where like the generation before us were we're all hellfire and brimstone, preach, preach, preach and like lecture you because you're not in church. And then our generation was like, Nope, we're not gonna listen to that because it's just negative. I'm out. And then you've got um the generation after us who, you know, they have everything accessible by, you know, these phones and they they can say hey what's going on at asbury and they can scroll through instagram and see what's going on at asbury and they mm-hmm. can just they can just make that trek and so like everybody has the access in their palm uh via their smartphones and it's uh i think if if i wanted to use a word for it again i'm not i'm not denying i'm not negating anything that's happening at asbury i think it's wonderful however I'm a little bit resentful of the fact Mm. that I've been trying that for 10 years. Not like I'm not trying to be Asbury. I'm not trying to (laughs) like, I'm trying to be a great pastor and a leader and try to, to, to to invite people into God's presence as a leader and try to facilitate that moment each and every Sunday when you lead worship or you teach, or you're leading a devotional online or, or whatever podcasting with you. Like there are, different outlets that I've tried over the last 10 plus years. And like, is this working? Is this not working? And then, and then yeah. you see, then you see this other generation come along and this Asbury thing happens. And it's like, what have I been doing wrong for the last 10 years?
0: Yeah. And, 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 and that's a And you bring up a good point. Cause you know, I came from the generation where I can remember sitting in youth conventions, sitting, going to summer camps and always hearing, we have a short supply of ministers. And we need more ministers. So if God has that calling to ministry on your life, we definitely need you. We want to pray for you. We want to affirm you. We want to do that. And, you know, for me, I got the call to ministry way before I started getting into, I guess, that Christian propaganda that we need more ministers already felt that call already. Um, But, I mean, I've seen so many people who they, whether it was a call or whether they felt that pressure from, you know, outside forces to go into ministry they go into the ministry and then they're thinking, okay, ministry is going to be great. God's going to use me to do change, and we're hungry and we're excited. And then we get there and we see so many pastors are leaving the church. Mm. So many pastors are resigning. So many pastors, especially at the pandemic. I mean, I think, you know, there's two great resignations, right? One was the pandemic, and the other one was when the Ashley Madison, uh, Clientele list leaked and you saw a bunch of church leaders that were on that list of and you know they called it resurrec uh not resurrection, but uh resignation Sunday. And that was like early 2012, 2013 that happened. And it's like, wow, like so we see that there's a lot of brokenness in ministry. So obviously you see this happening, you're like, whoa, it even you know, it seems like, well, what are they doing? Well, They're not really doing much of anything because even, I mean, I've listened to the worship, the worships, you know, it's not dynamic, I guess, by any mean. And by, I mean, by that, you know, it's not like they have the full band up there. They didn't have all the bells and whistles that you usually see in our big box, um, worship church services. Even I've seen videos of the person who preached that kind of started this whole thing. I mean, I've listened to the message and it's, all right. Like, it wasn't like mind blowing, but that's okay. It didn't need to be mind blowing. That mm-hmm. pastor just preached what they felt that God led them to do. And the Holy spirit took over from there. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um,
1: and that's I think, what, and I think, you, oh, and ahead. I think that's, no, I was going to say, I think that's what should happen. Right. Cause us as leaders or pastors are facilitating that moment. We're not, we're not ultimately in charge. We are just trying to, we're just trying to, you know,
0: and I think you that's can't, a great you can't to facilitate. For, you can't
1: force God's hand, but if God moves, you need to get out of the way.
0: Yes, and I think that's the big thing. And I mean, it's something that I said, you know, last week. You know, when the when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, things three things show up: the Holy Spirit, the flesh, and the evil one. And I'll probably tap on at least all three of those. <laughs> um, all three of those. Uh, the other the other positive thing I've seen come out of Asbury is just their willing their willingness to accommodate. Mm -hmm. You just have students. And here's the thing. I mean, some people go, well, why are people driving down the Asbury to experiencing? It's ruining it. It's kind of ruining the, I don't know, the mistos mistos of it. Here's the thing. If there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people know about it, the best thing you could do as a Christian is if you have the means to be able to, if the Holy Spirit is pouring out and you're hearing about it, go there. Like literally go there I had a professor who says anytime he hears something that there's a movement of the Holy Spirit happening at this place, if he's close enough he's gonna to go to it if he has the funds he may fly out there and go to it to wait to, 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 in a way to a if it is legit it's gonna be great, and if it's not legit he's gonna know very quickly if this is you know of God or if it's of you know or if it's of the evil one or of the flesh and I think the fact that people are coming because they want to have this revival experience—they they're hungry and thirsty for the Holy Spirit to pour out on them—that the college is saying, "Okay, we got to make more room." We got and to the point where you know, I think at one point you know they were able to pump whatever music was coming out of that sanctuary outside for people who are standing outside who can listen to it so they could experience it too. So, and I think that's, and I think why that's so important is how many times just in your local church, are they willing to accommodate for people who have different needs? Um, I mean, I knew one pastor who he's in this old building and one of the things they do is they have a lady who's coming and he's in a wheelchair. They have no ramps, no handicap accessible ways to get into the church. So what they have to do is literally they have ushers picking this poor woman up out of her chair, walking her upstairs, bringing her wheelchair along, and then putting her there and going. Now for that woman, she probably doesn't mind. She wants to be there on Sunday. She's an older woman. But for somebody who may be, you know, I want to go to church and they go, hey, I hear great things about this church and there's no way for me to get inside because of my handicap, then that becomes an issue, which is why the pastor's saying, you know, we're going to have to, spend money to redo how we get those who are handicap accessible. So they're trying to make accommodations for people. They're trying to expand so people can experience God on Sunday. And I feel like there's a lot of little things that the church doesn't do, or the local church doesn't do that accommodates certain people.
1: Yeah, I, I would totally agree. And, uh, I've I've often used this phrase like pastors who are older than us, they don't care and they don't like, not in a bad sense, but like, they just, they don't have time. They don't want to, and they don't know how to. And that's, I guess what I mean, I should probably not say they don't care. I'm just saying that they, Mm -hmm. like they don't have time. They don't know how, and they don't like, they just don't. Does that make sense? They, they just don't like,
0: well, it's I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily say it's pastors. Sometimes I think there's some older pastors who are like, "We want to make change. We have to do this." I think it's usually the teams that that are the governing teams, the elder board, deacon board, whatever board, mm-hmm. the executive board, whatever you want to, whatever your church tradition calls them, who are kind of like, "Well, we don't see the need," mm-hmm. or. You know that lady gets picked up and she's fine with it. Why do we need to put a ramp up? If she's okay with being picked up by a bunch of men and carried up the stairs, or or the other thing is is well, how much is that going to cost us?
1: Yeah, everything's a, everything's a cost and everything you know. But also, there's a thing called a grant. You could write a grant. You could yeah. get money from the state. You could get funding as a nonprofit. Like it's there, there are ways to do things um, with with without you know breaking your budget. So, especially, uh, and
0: especially for churches, I've got a, I have a flyer that where it's like you can easily search for a grant of what you need. And even if you're like, you know, I don't have a grant writer or a writer or anything in my church that could do it, you can just go, you could go click on something like I need a nonprofit writer for a religious organization, and there's somebody who could write it for you. Yeah, you have to pay them, but think about it, you're paying them like what, like maybe fifty dollars to get
1: five thousand to build a ramp.
0: Yeah, fifty to get five thousand dollars of free money. To build a ramp,
1: yeah, I mean it's kind of common sense <laughs> yeah. um, well, so to kind of to kind of wrap up this whole conversation, I think about Asbury um, two questions I want to ask, and then we can you can mm-hmm. you know kind of wrap us up if you want to, or if you want to keep going, like the revival we will keep going, um, yeah as we kind of wrap up, the two questions I really have are, what do you think is next for this whole thing? And then finally, did you expect the local church yesterday to respond? If so, what did you expect to happen?
0: Those are good questions. Um,
1: <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: no, no so, so I think here's the thing. And I, and I mean, there's one more thing I want to pull out of this that I haven't mentioned yet. And it's kind of the, it's kind of the, and it's going to be a little bit negative and not negative of what Asbury's doing. It's mm-hmm. negative of the reaction and the response. There's people, and I mean, you know, there's people who have gone there and they do these like little quick hit videos to kind of talk about their experience, and that's kind of like what some what social media platforms are for. And there have been times where I've seen people saying, "Well, the gospel's not being presented there. It's music. It's mostly just music, music, people singing, people having praise and worship." And then they'll say, "If there is any type of." proclamation of the gospel they will say things like well jesus loves you and that's it or like i think one guy said you know there is a a woman pastor up there who said okay go share the gospel with your neighbor and what she meant by that is just turn to your neighbor and say jesus loves you and for that that was the gospel where Mm -hmm. for somebody who takes a very high bible approach to it No, I want to see the reading from God's word. I want to see people preach a message from God's word. It just seemed like anytime when someone got up there to talk or to preach, it was like, okay, here's a little five-minute devotional, and now we're going to music. So with that being said, I think the main thing is, what do we mean by gospel? And not only that, but what do we mean by sound preaching? Because some of the criticisms I've been hearing has been that aspect of it. And for me, it goes, okay. If we can see that it was sound preaching that started this movement, and now the Spirit's flowing, and as a facilitator, you're kind of navigating the flow. You know, what is that? And then it goes back to the second thing that pops in my mind is, well, what's the manifestation of the flesh? If the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit pours out, what is it? Is it people being critical of what's happening? It can be. Is it people who are there and they're being very negative towards those who have concerns? Because I think there's some who say, I like what's happening. I do have some concerns. I want to see what happens next. And I'll answer that question um, that you ask. And some people are saying, well, you shouldn't question that. Well, what does it mean to test the spirits? Hold on to what is good, reject what is evil. It's okay to question things, especially if you're unsure if what you are experiencing is actually something of God or something that is kind of coming from ourselves. So that's another big uh, takeaway. And I think a lot of it is people who are there, who are defending it, they can be some of the cruelest and meanest mm. people to these people who have questions. I mean, I can see, I mean, even one guy who said, well, the gospel wasn't presented. They were go, oh yeah, it is. You, you, you must've came on a bad night. Give it a shot. So he goes, he goes the second night and he stays there for three hours. And then at there, he says the only time, and I quote was, they just kept saying Jesus loves you and that and that you know and then whatever you've done, you know, Jesus forgives you, and that's kind of all they say, but they didn't really read from the word. And it's like, you know, and again, I can't I can't say anything because I wasn't there and I can't tell if what they were reading was if they're reading from the Bible, if they're just saying like more Christianese type of sayings or whatnot. Um, but someone does have some concerns, and I think. When, and I mean, I know Ashbury, they're shutting it down. Mm-hmm. And there's criticism with that. And it's like, well, maybe it's good because I've seen other universities are trying to copycat it. I've seen churches saying, hey, there's a revival here. We're going to do our own revival. And it's like, okay, is are we trying to catch lightning in a bottle now? Is this mm-hmm. something that is spirit-led? Or it's like, here, here's this big momentum. Now we're going to capitalize it and try to put it within our own organizations now. So well, there's that- still... So, so there's stuff like that where I'm just like, okay. And and I think in some ways I'm glad that Asbury is shutting it down because if they kind of believe what I believe, that, you know, if the Holy Spirit's moving, then there's going to be manifestation of flesh and evil one, they're probably starting to see it. They're probably starting to see some of the back and forth and some of the other things that they're going, huh, this this doesn't there's some things that are great and it's wonderful, but there's some other things that are starting to take a turn. So let's go ahead and kind of and maybe, out. and maybe
1: it maybe doesn't feel as genuine as it did originally. Mm. Yeah, um, and the th- I used this illustration last week when we we talked about it with Trey. But like, you know, you worked in camp ministry. I've worked in camp ministry. But like, the, it's like, now what? Right? You 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 go to camp. You have this remote space where it's only Jesus. It's only worship. It's only teaching. It's only with those people that you're with. You're not leaving. You're staying there for the week, right? You come, you know, you have all these people that give their lives to Jesus, which is fantastic. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then you leave camp. And then it's like, okay, are you going to live that out? Are you going to live that faith out? Are you going to mm-hmm. live that calling out? Are you going to do what, you know, Jesus instructed you to do? Like Matthew 28, for example, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Like if if you go to camp you get saved and then you just go back to life see your old friends see your old family and everything just kind of was the way it was before were you truly transformed and were you truly saved by the blood of jesus that's a whole nother podcast however i want to i want to talk you know salvation but like is that happening at asbury and other universities you know ohio christian university cedarville Mm -hmm. um there there have been reports of other and then the other thing you know i want to say is like i kind of just want to be done with this conversation because it's it's kind of it feels like a loop kind of like the matt chandler thing um
0: oh gosh or is this has more direction than matt chandler god
1: i I wonder what matt chandler thinks about this whole thing um (laughs) the um you know the idea your eyes get really big when i said that uh i know (laughs) you know the idea of what does it look like after yeah um you know where do we go what do we do like are we like replicating it like you said like trying to catch lightning in a bottle and then i've seen people that have been super critical of this on tiktok and i'm like you don't know because you never went and there was this one guy my wife and i were like this is the most cringeworthy thing you can say as a pastor there was a guy i don't know if you saw this Scott. i don't even know who, what his name was i've never heard of him but he he's an independent baptist pastor and he was oh, like gosh. they're not they're not preaching king james and they're not preaching. Oh yeah, I saw, like, I saw that. Yeah. And he's like, they're not preaching salvation, and 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 there's women up there, and like he he made all these ignorant comments, and it was like I I almost felt like people were doing that to see what people would say, but like you don't say stuff like that because that's not loving each other. You do not, if you're
0: an independent Baptist, well, because that's their mo.
1: <laughs> great. I, like,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> great. No, I I'm just you know yeah. I'm scrolling through TikTok and I'm like, this is crazy. Like oh yeah, stop it, stop doing that. But yeah, yeah I, and, I just,
0: yeah. So to to answer your questions, where do we go from here? The, really, there's two avenues, um, and, and I and I think there's two. I I guess I'll break it down like this. There's two people I want to address, and there's two avenues. So those who were there, those who were experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The next thing is what fruit is going to be developed from that. Because you can go and you can have that experience and then you can go back home, go back to school, go back to wherever you came from and not see any fruit being grown because fruit has to be cultivated. So especially if if these are – again, if this is the generation that you know, some of the older congregants that I've been around saying, oh, young people don't go to church, well – if you've had this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, are you going to go to church? Are you going to start seeing fruit grow in your life? Are you going to see love, patience, faithfulness? you're going to see all those fruits that we see and, and not only that, fruits not is not only for you to experience, but fruit is for other people. How are you how has the Spirit transformed you in a way that you can go and make an impact in another person's transformation in the spirit? The other avenue, so those are the two avenues. Either you see fruit or you don't see fruit from the individual. The second group I want to address is the local church. Because if there are kids who are floundering in their faith, if there are kids who had no faith and they've had this experience and they've had a tremendous transformation in God, then you as a congregation need to be ready. Because these kids are going to be hungry. Even the older people who went there and they've had transformation, they're going to come back to the church and they're going to be hungry and not hungry for you to have more preaching, but hungry for not only more of the Holy Spirit, but allow, but not to squander the spirit. If you have a young person who just shows up to your church for the first time and they're there for a couple of weeks and they have these great ideas that they want to see God move in the church, affirm it and put them to work. Don't be like, well, technically you have to get baptized in membership in our church, and technically you have to, our bylaws say you have to be at least a member for six months before you can actually have any type of service. Like that That's thats thats legalistic bullcrap. Mm. If if you can truly see that the Spirit's moving in that individual's life, and they're coming to your church, and they want to Im- impact the congregation, they want to serve the church, they want to do that, put them to work.
1: It's also and, a turnoff for for. And, oh, yeah.
0: Because then what you're going to do is you're going to squash that fire and then you're just going to have this great moment and it doesn't get capitalized because you had just poured water over fire. And now these people who have had just been doused it are now heading back home and they're going to live their lives and they're going to go, you know, when's the next big movement going to happen at Asbury? When is there going to be another university that and they're just going to continue to chase the wind to find the next outpouring of the spirit, because really, like Micah, you said, if we look at the definition of revival, that should happen every day in our congregations. Mm. And, and, and even that, like, don't necessarily, and I think the third thing I'm going to say, I know I said too, I'm going to add this third thing. You have to remember that the spirit can move in big ways and in small ways. You just have to be open and perceptive to it. Uh, My professor, after I got done with Ashland, that Asbury thing happened right when I had my doctorate week and my professor put something on his Facebook page saying, hey, we're talking about, you know, everyone's talking about this revival at Asbury. Well, hey, there was a revival in a little tiny classroom at Ashland Theological Seminary. I I had eight individuals that worshiped together, that prayed together. We studied the word together, and it was a great, fruitful time. And I know for me, because I was one of those students, he posted a picture, and there's a picture of me in there. And I can talk about that experience because I was there. But yeah, the spirit moved in that place. And and it was one of those things where even like at youth yesterday, when I'm teaching youth, and we're talking and we're studying the word and we're having a conversation. And I, had, and I just made the comment like, this is why I'm so passionate about the Bible. This is why I'm so mm-hmm. passionate about Christianity. This is why I believe what I believe, because if we understand what this really says, and you really read it, and you really read it carefully, and really begin to ask questions of the text, and really dive into it, this stuff is life-changing, and and it wasn't until I got home, because again, like I said, my dad was here, I got home, and you know, my kids are, we put our kids to bed, and Laura and I are just kind of having a talk, and she said, oh, one of the uh, parents at church said something really nice about you to your dad, and I go, oh, because I don't really hear much conversation from people at church. You know, you're a pastor, you don't hear much. Um and what unless this it's woman's bad. Oh oh yeah, unless it's bad, yeah, then you hear it. Um, but this woman basically told my dad that before I came, her two boys and and her kids, because she has like five kids, um, you know, they didn't really want to come to church. They didn't see the point of church. They really were like, you know, church, eh. It's boring. Why why go to church? And then ever since I've gotten here, they never want to they never want to miss church. Hmm. Anytime they're home, if they're not traveling, if they're not visiting family, they want to be there. They want to be involved in Sunday school. They want to be involved in youth group because of and she says because of me. And I and I I always I always have a weird thing with that because it's like, well, you shouldn't be coming to church for me. Uh you should be coming to church for God, but I've kind of loosened up on that idea because if I believe what the apostle Paul says, you know, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. And if you have people who really want to know the Bible and they really want to see what a Christian life is like, the best way it can be done is taught and modeled by people. And if Mm -hmm. you can make a great impact in someone's life, and they said, you know, you're the reason why I, you know, why I have a passion for the Bible. You're the reason why I have a stronger faith in Jesus Christ. Then, you know, own that because that means that, you know, the spirit's working through you and you're not only in some of those seeds that the fruit that you're producing, some of those seeds are being, you know, planted into other people's lives and they're starting to grow their own fruits of the spirit as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, 100%. All
0: right. Well, friends, I know this is, I know, I mean, Mike and I, we could talk about this all day. I'm sure we could, but, you know, friends, thank you so much for listening. And again, we want to know what your experience is. Maybe you have some questions. Maybe you're like, oh, man, it was great. And you want to share your stories about Asbury. Maybe you want to share some of the questions you have or some of the things that you kind of are wondering about. Um, maybe you're, you are like, how come that woman was up there pre- preaching and she was wearing pants? Like you're very like anti that, like we want to hear it all. Okay. So you can just go ahead and leave a comment on our YouTube page. If you watch watching it on YouTube, you can leave a comment on my website, com. You can leave your comments there. We love to hear from you. And again, if you make a comment, we'll probably read it on our next, uh, <laughs> we'll probably read it on our uh, next episode. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you next time. Take care.